Two giant goofballs is shot live in front of a streaming audience. Welcome to Two Giant Goofballs, a New York Giants podcast. Are you a goofball that loves Giants football? If so, sit back and relax. Except you, that person driving. Sit up and keep your eyes on the road. Your ears, though, can still listen as we talk about the team that both excites and frustrates us so much. And now, now, here are your goofball hosts, Drew and Rob. Welcome, fellow goofballs, to Giant Goofballs, New York Giants podcast. I am Drew, joined as always by... I'm me, I'm Rob. We're going to talk about some of those uh, tight ends around the group. Ooh, some tight ends. (laughs) (laughs) No, not the tight ends. We'll talk about the tight ends later, but the tight ends. We will talk about the tight ends and tight ends. first, but not at the end. Oh, yes. So... Yeah, that for those who haven't been paying paying attention to the last couple of episodes here, we are doing our State of the Team series here now that the regular season is finally over, going over each group, how they did during the regular season, uh, you know, who we expect to be here going forward, who we expect to be bye-bye, and uh, what options we have for upgrading that group if need be there. And as you can imagine, with our team, most of those groups are in that need-be category there. So, yeah, this definitely is one of those groups even, too, so... And then, of course, we made some coaching hires and some promotions today as well. Um, so we're going to go over those. And, of course, it's going to lead to some speculation about a certain Mr. Mike Rabel because some moves keep happening with Giants and the Titans. Spoilers. Oh, yes. So, yeah, let's get right into it here. We're start, starting off with the tight ends here because it's it's a group that we expected a lot of big things of this season, guys. I think it's very safe to say a lot of big things. Um, you know, you bring in Dale and Waller with the third round uh, pick trade there. And, you know, he's a year or two removed from being one of the best tight ends in the league. Injury issues had been the issues as much as also potentially issues with him and the coach. And we go ahead and get him in. He's being billed as, oh, my God, this guy's a unicorn. This guy is the number one. This guy is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Everybody wants to have his babies. Like, that's what this thing is being, you know. All off season long, then we get him into the regular season, and I think it's safe to say he was overhyped. I think that's safe to say. I think that's an overstatement of the overstatements. Yeah, but but I look at his numbers, or an understatement of the overstatement. But I look at his numbers, and I'm not sure how right it is or isn't. And I'm very split on him, to be honest with you. So, you know, you look at his numbers on the year: twelve games, fifty-two receptions. 552 yards, one touchdown. He did have a 69.4 PFF rating on the season there. Again, he missed basically a third of the season. So if he had played the whole season, he would have had about 800 yards. That's that's a damn good year for most tight ends. Yeah. But you got to factor in the injuries. They don't just disappear. They happened. And the best ability is availability, <clears throat> I'd say. So you got a guy that has trouble being able to be, you know, on the field. Now, the question comes in to be is how much does on-field production mirror what we were hoping to get from this quote-unquote unicorn here? And, you know, I go back to his 2020 season, which was his last really good season he had there with, with the Raiders. He had 993 snaps. This year he had 568 snaps. So I'm looking at the numbers. We're doing the notes on this. And I'm like, how much is this him dropping? How much of this is his snaps dropping? That's a legitimate question when you guys got injury concerns, guy who's on a snap count now, 
Whereas before, in these other years he had in the Raiders where he had his 2,000-yard seasons, he legitimately was basically on the field nonstop. So 2020, 993 snaps. I did the math. Rob knows I love doing the math. Oh, yes. A little mathematician over here. I, I, I did it. If you did his receptions per snap, it's .091 receptions per snap. This past season with the Giants, 568 snaps. His receptions per snap is .092. So actually a little bit higher. I mean, granted, talking .01. I mean, how much we were going to call that higher? Yeah. I mean, it's basically it's the step. same. So he's getting the same rate of receptions based on how many times he's on the field. That's a good sign. Because if you were to tell me right now we're going to get 2020 version of Darren Waller, sign me the hell up. Sign me up in a freaking heartbeat. Now I go to the yards. And this is where there's a definitely difference there between the past and the present. So yard per snap, receiving yards we're doing, obviously. 1.153 yard per snap back in 2020. 0.972 yard per snap this past season. So you're talking so about not- point 0.2. You're talking about point 0.2 yards. So you're talking about eight inches. Well, you're talking about that though per snap though. Again, it's oh, not per you. reception. I can go per reception if you want to go that route there. But I mean, the difference is clear as day there. And you know, I look at now what's causing this, and that's you know, I, I don't like to just go ahead and make assumptions. I want to actually look and see what's causing it there. You know, numbers, I'm not going to say they're never going to mislead you, but they can be misleading at times. Because if you go to his numbers he had back in 2020 and 2019, I got his average for you. 12.7 in 19, 11.2 in 20th per catch. This past season, 10.6. So the biggest issue with him on his stats, really, on his yards, is his yak. He went from 5.3 in 2020. 6.3 6.3 in 19, down to 4.1 on 2023. So he's missing one or two yards per catch based on Yak. And that's enough to make up the difference in the yards right there. 100%. So I'm looking at it as there's two things I, I go, okay, is this the problem with Darren Waller? Is it his health? And I, I think that's a, it's a valid thing to suggest and say probably is part of the issue. But then I also look at another thing and go, it's that the guy's throwing the ball. Which which guy? Because there was three. All of them. I'm thinking guys. guys this, this, yeah. This, this, this. yeah. Because part of a quarterback's job is putting a receiver in the right position to go run with the ball once they catch it. And that's not every single play. Don't get me wrong. I know some plays is just, hey, get the five yards. Get the plan uh, plays down. Yeah. Or right. But zone. a lot of times you want to hit someone in stride in a spot where they can go and try to turn up the field and go for it. Especially a guy who's athletic and fast like Darren Waller. That's what you do. And can break a lot of tackles. Now, I look at other guys who play that kind of role, like Wandale Robinson. We talked about this with Wandale Robinson. He's a guy who has led the team in in catches, didn't even come close to leading the team in yards. He's another guy that does short routes that you want to hit him in stride and get some yak after the fact. So my brain's starting to go into this level of, did the Giants quarterbacks hurt the receivers and tight ends by not hitting them in the proper placements? And I don't know the answer to this. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here telling you guys point blank this is what's going on. I mean, it's a very valid statement to make and observation because DJ played how many games? Four? Three and a half games? Yeah. And then then you had Tyrod in for how many games? Who's a legit backup in the leagues. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's definitely but also got a little rusty. He hasn't, he hasn't played consistently in how long? Uh, exactly. Like, what did he play? Like, three quarters last year and could cuss yeah. twice? I mean. And then, well, the prior you know, 
and then you got DeVito. You know, he's too busy doing this and not enough of throwing his stride. It's also he's also just not that good. Let's be very frank. I know the fans yeah. liked him, and he's a great story this year. He's not very good, guys. I don't think anybody's going to go. We need to get in trade for this Tommy DeVito to be our starting quarterback next year. No. So, like I said, it just begs the question. If you put a legit quarterback back behind the center, if you can get him healthy, would he go back to the 1920 version of Darren Waller? And I don't think he does because I don't think the health will ever be 100% with him. I think he's going to be this player for the rest of his career, a guy who misses at least a couple games once or twice a year, just what he's going to be. But if you can get me this kind of production on those games when you're healthy and a better quarterback helps him get those one or two extra yards of yak at that point, sign me up. And you keep Sign him healthy going to the playoffs? Yeah. Now, here's what we're looking at with him. We got a $14.1 million cap hit. That's the big number there. Yeah. We only save $6.7 million if we cut him. So, personally, and I think Joe Shane is in agreement with it, I think we should give him the one more year. Because if you give him one more year, next year you save $10.5 million if we cut him. You're saving two-thirds of the money. $6.7 million is not enough, guys. No. Do you think you're going to replace the production this man gives you for $6.7 million? I mean, you Not unless you hit on a rookie. Correct. That's a gamble. It is a gamble. And the other guys we're going to talk about, also, their their play was also taken away from because when Wallace's on the field, you don't go, oh, let me throw it to my second or third tight end. You throw it to Waller. Especially with him on the field. Yes, go, but he was off the field enough that. Yeah. I, I in all fairness. Even the games Shush. he played in, he, again, he was on a snap count. He wasn't in every single play. This wasn't the same version of, of him that was with the Raiders. Um, other guys we got there. Daniel Bellinger, 17 games, 24 catches, 255 yards, no touchdowns, a 49.1 PFF rating. And I thought he regressed this year. I don't know if it's because of the presence of Waller and him kind of, you know, losing that starting position or did teams figure out something about him. But, I mean, we saw penalties during rough times with him. I didn't think the blocking was as good this year as last year. You know, but sometimes you go into a season with a guy like this and you don't even know they're injured. And that could be maybe what it was. Maybe he was dealing with an injury we're unaware of. That happens all the time in football. You don't want to give it up to the people, the information. Because they use that against you. I don't 100%. know. But he's going to the year three now of his of his four-year rookie deal. And obviously, he's going to be part of this team. Obviously, he's a role with this team. And he's not going anywhere, guys. If he no. doesn't make it next year, I'll be shocked. Absolutely shocked. Now, does he stay as the number two tight end? That I'm not sure of. That he might have some competition for. Depends what he'll definitely be on this team. Yeah. Grafton, also free agency. You never know. Somebody could drop. So every year, this guy's we go. I can't believe this guy's still available. Can't believe this guy's so cheap. Every year, so that could be the move we make. Um, other one other tight end we have to talk about is Lawrence Cager. Eleven games on the season, only four catches, thirty six yards, one touchdown, fifty eight point two PFF rating. Uh, he's on the contract next year, nine hundred forty k next year with no cap hit if cut. I think it's pretty safe to say that if he is on the roster actively, something went wrong or someone's hurt. Or we didn't go out and get another tight end. (laughs) Well, I I look at him as a camp body and a camp body that will probably be on the practice squad next year again, but is available to come back and play if need be, if an injury happens or something. I mean, he's not a horrible player. He's a receiving tight end. 
And that's he's the problem I the have. Wish, he's the wish version of uh, Darren Waller. Exactly. But you know, you look at a player like him and you go, okay, we have a team that has trouble blocking. And now you have two of your three tight ends also have trouble blocking. Is that a wise decision? I, I mean, I said that going into this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of they, us were hoping for a better offensive line output, but yeah, we didn't get that. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't have to go through what I said months ago, saying <laughs> maybe my Jackson has just stayed on the team as his third. Yeah. But oh, it happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think that's where he's at. I think these three will all be here next year. I think Cager will be here in more of his natural role as the practice squad kind of guy that might hit the hit the squad during injuries, and again. With the injuries to Bellinger, you have to have someone prepared like that. So it makes sense. He's the perfect guy for that role. So, again, I think we need to get a third guy in here, a legit third guy. Again, Cager's not that third guy. No. So let's look at some of the free agent possibles we got here. And I also want to talk about them when it comes to them in relation to Darren Waller and his contract as well, because I'm still hearing a lot of people saying, let's cut Darren Waller, let's cut Darren Waller. And, again, we're going to discuss why that doesn't make sense, I think, in a minute. At least. In my humble opinion, not that I'm humble. To say what? Who? Yeah, yeah, I'm not humble. <laughs> uh, so top top free agent really is Hunter Henry. Uh, still just 29 years old, which is shocking. It feels like he's been playing for like 30 years. Uh, 42 catches, um, 419 yards in 14 games with six touchdowns. He's one of the few guys that you could sit there and say is on Darren Waller's <clears throat> realm of tears, so to speak, within tight ends. There's two guys in this free agency class that I can. Yeah, so I was gonna say uh, there's there's one guy that I would put ahead of this, but we'll talk about him in a little bit. But what like Hunter Henry? The only thing that I think about is look at the offense. He granted this year it was dog trip, but for the past two decades they've made great play out of tight ends. Some of those tight ends they gave up had high prospects on other teams, and what did they do? Man, man, like. Bill Belichick and usually his offensive coordinators, like they they figure out a way how to use those tight ends and utilize them, put them to the game. Yeah. They get good blockers. They could run the ball. Like how many? You could probably name like a good solid three tight ends at the top of your head without even thinking about it in the past ten years that played. Yeah, you got Hunter Henry, you got Grock, yeah, Aaron Hernandez is killer. Yeah, took the words right out of my mouth. Must be like I, I know. I think you could do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's a legit tight end. He's a legit receiving threat. He's a legit blocker, which is why I, I put him on the same tier as Waller because Waller's a better receiver. He's a much better blocker. Um, you know, he's been a part of some winning teams as well. So I mean, not a bad option there. But we'll get to why I don't want to. Man, I always want to spill the beans. But I, I kind of did before. But let's 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 go to the next one here, which is, I yeah. think who you're going to say is the top one, and. I would agree with you if it wasn't for the money part, because I think this guy's going to command a Nike load of money. Oh, especially after this past season. Yeah, and I think the value proposition is not there as well as it is with Hunter Henry. Because, um, again, Hunter Henry played with shitty quarterback. This guy played with a very good quarterback, and that does make Rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback that freaking killed it, okay? And that's yeah, no, fantastic. For the Texans there, 27 years old. 15 catch, sorry, 15 games, 59 receptions, 635 yards, five touchdowns. Um, yeah, he played like an elite tight end when he's healthy this year. Absolutely did. I mean, if you put those kind of averages out there at that point, he would have had maybe, you know, 
70 catches, 750 yards, and like six touchdowns if he was there the whole entire season. And that's a really good type of output from a tight end. On top of the fact that he's not a liability as a blocker. Yeah. So, yeah. But he wants to stay with the Texans by all accounts. And again, he ain't going to be cheap, guys. This guy's going to get paid like a top, top, top tight end. I'm telling you right Listen, now. That's what's going to happen. Pay their, uh, their quarterback right now. Yeah. He's for a little bit here. Um, yeah. Next, we got Gerald Everett from the Chargers. Kind of a guy that you don't hear talked about as much. I think that's why he's partially so high in this list. Because he's going to be a decent value proposition for somebody here, potentially. 15 games, 51 catches, 411 yards, and three touchdowns. And like I said, 29 years old. So not young, but keep in mind, tight ends do tend to play up until they're, you know, 33, 34 around there. So you can still sign to a three-year deal and not regret it, probably. Um, then you got Mike Gusecki from the New England Patriots, second Patriot here on the list already, 28 years old, 29 catches, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Only higher on this list because of his past. He was obviously a freaking beast with the Dolphins, minus that last year. Uh, we've and talked Jersey about him boy. before. Yeah, Jersey boy grew up a Giant fan. If we needed a pass-catching tight end, I'd be all for it. I was all for it last year even. Um, but, yeah, this year is not the year for him. Sorry, Mike. Just it's not meant to be, it looks like. Um, wow. Noah Fant from the Seattle Seahawks, still just 26 years old. <clears throat> That's um, it. I know. Um, 32 catches, 422 yards. Austin Hooper from the Raiders. Hooper. Raiders. Uh, hanging in with Mr. Hooper. Um, 29 years old, 32 catches, 414 yards. Um, yeah, and that's a guy that, like, I feel like he's been around forever. Like, if some team really needs somebody to be their all-around tight end, like, you could do a whole lot better, guys, than this guy. You really could. Uh, yeah. Robert Tonian Jr. Uh, from the Bears, 29 years old. Uh, he's 17 games, 11 catches, 112 yards. He's purely a blocking tight end. If you need a pure blocking he, tight end. Was he always a Bear? Wasn't he uh, at Green Bay? He was, he was a Green Bay, Green Bay Packer yeah, for years. And yes. I'm pretty sure he had a way better uh, season with uh, Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball and not this uh, kid running around. So who knows? Yeah. Most you're right. He's more, of, he's more of a. Blocking, but he's only got a thousand yards receiving in his entire career. So I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if there's a specifically a year that you go, ooh, this guy did it really well. Uh, but yeah. yeah, if I look at his stats, there he had one year of 470, one year of 586. All the rest of his years were, and again, we're talking now. This guy is a six-year vet, so two of his years basically were a thousand yards, and he's got 1500 for his career. So he's had his moments. He's had his moments, but yeah, he's. More of a blocking tight end, really. Um, then he got another blocking tight end from the Bears as well. Mercedes Lewis, uh, who is ranging 59 years old, I believe now. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's 39, Lewis. but the guy's been playing forever, man. He's played with the Jaguars back in the Mark Brunel days, I think, even. I was like, that's that far back I think he goes. Like, sheesh, it's insanity. 16 game, just four catches, 39 yards, and one touchdown. But again, this guy's a blocker. This is a guy you bring in off the bench on like third and one, fourth and one kind of situation. Set him up here. next to right tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Like if we wanted to put off the blocking tight end issue for a year, we could do worse than a guy like Mercedes Lewis who could maybe go ahead and help Daniel Bellinger in his career even. Mm. But I don't think you want to necessarily sign a 39-year-old guy when you're rebuilding. I think that's, that's probably yeah. not way, not <laughs> much of a key to success there. Uh, Irv Smith with the Bengals, 
25 years old, 18 receptions, 115 yards, and one touchdown of the season. He's been a guy that was definitely a disappointment with the Bengals. But again, there's not usually a ton, a ton of tight ends available every single year. You only need one starter per team, guys. So they're going 32. So we just gave you 10. So what does that tell you? Half these guys will not be starting in this league still. Um, Most likely. Now, here's the question. Again, I alluded to it before. Could any of these options do as good as Waller and no. cost less than $6.7 million? I don't think so. No. So if not, does it make sense to cut Waller to get either decreased production, increased salary, or both? Yeah. Listen, we we paid the piper. Got to stick with it. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of getting. We're not going to cut yeah. him, guys. We're not going to cut him. He's going to be here. For all the people that I've heard want him gone, he ain't going to be gone. Uh, I'm going to give you an alternative option, though, that I think would be a very good free agent option for us here. Because I do think free agency is the way to go. And I think getting a veteran blocking tight end would be a great way to go. Adam Troutman, 27 years old still, uh, six, 17 games last year, 12 starts considered. Um, 724 snaps, so he was on for a decent amount of the of the games. There, um, 22 receptions, 204 yards, three touchdowns. So he had a little bit of a of of a uh, red zone threat capabilities, considering how little catches he got overall. Here's the scary part: he had more tight touchdowns than all of our tight ends put together last year. Yeah, uh, it's sad. So because it's but the man has never had a run blocking grade under 60 any of his four seasons and he also plays on special teams which i know people look overlook at that sometimes but you need people to play on special teams and he's shown a willingness to do that so he kind of ended up at the doghouse last year in new orleans uh obviously was with in new orleans with sean payton previously when sean payton went to denver he made it a point to trade for this man because he liked him as a person he liked him as a player so I may not think highly of Sean Payton as a person, but as a talent evaluator and a scout, I do actually trust that he knows what he's doing. Sit say. So, yeah, especially on offense. So, yeah, good option. I think he'll be a cheap option. I think he'll only cost like a million, a million and a half. I think he'll be that cheap because blocking tight ends don't typically get paid a ton of money. Now, the one issue he does have is drops. So, we'll see what happens there. But Whoopsie, dropsies. Again, good blocking tight end. With the offensive line we have, hopefully it's better next year. We've been saying that for 10 years now. So mm, let's get a legit block right in like that and see what he does. All right, let's go over to the draft options here for you guys now. So top draft options. I went based on draftbuzz.com, who they thought was the top. Since we haven't done our tight ends episode yet, we'll do our draft coverage later on. The draft positioning as far as where they're expected to get drafted was based on NFL Mock Draft Database's website. So mix it up. It'll give you guys a couple of spots to get opinions from here. First one, the consensus number one, Brock Bowers, six foot four, 240 pounds from Georgia. Georgia. He's a bulldog. Georgia. Uh, potentially a top 10 pick. He's that talented of a player. Now, I will say this. Top 10 picks at tight end. Those work out. Mm. So this is the position that I've always said that NFL people just don't know what they're doing. With scouting them yet? They just don't. I mean, let's be honest. The, the the best guys that they get are like fourth round picks usually. That's they see the sweet spot. Um I mean also the game with the tight end has changed so much. It has. 
But it's it's yeah. I think it's the one position that it's played so different in college than it is in the pros. I think that's part of the problem. Yeah. College, it, they're like they're like big receivers, whereas in the pros, they're big receivers who need to block. They can't block yeah. most of these guys coming out of college. That's the biggest issue. And when you hear the pros and cons of these guys, that's pretty much you're gonna hear that con for almost everybody here. Uh but again, potentially a top ten pick, depending on if somebody wants to go for a tight end spot because of the positional value issue there. Uh, if Gettleman was drafted, he drafted him first overall, probably. Um, he ran <laughs> a four. Uh, he ran a four point four nine forty time, which is obviously very good for a tight end. So very fast. Also great at yak as well. Does need to work, as I said, on blocking. But he has shown promise on the rare times he's asked to do it over at Georgia. There, so people are optimistic that he will turn into a good blocker in the NFL. Uh, Jatavian Sanders is the second one here. Six foot three, two hundred and fifty-two pounds, coming out of the great state of Texas. Um, oh, Texas! He's a second-round option there. Uh, great open field blocking. He's a guy that has looked very good in uh, you know the uh, uh, screen plays, reverses, those kind of things there, or you know, or when he's ha- been asked to go ahead and block for a you know a white wide receiver screen and those kind of stuff there. So he's a good guy to have like that because of the fact he's a willing blocker. He's not one of those college guys that's like, I don't want to do it. Like He's willing to do it. Um, good speed and agility. No linebacker in college can cover him. They actually had to get corners to put on him to try to cover him and keep step for step for him. Um, he, oh, wow. has, he has had trouble, though, with getting blockers off of him at the line. So if he's hit at the line and you've got to, him to break off, he's had some trouble doing that. Most success he's had as a receiver has been from the slot position there. So he does need to work on on blocking as well. And he may start off in this league more as like a large slot receiver that'll help with deal with the issues. Because if you can't break off the line, and you're not a good blocker, that's so when you do it on the line. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need some development, and that's fine. Listen, yeah. that's fine. It's a second round pick. If you can put him in as a slot receiver his first year, and by the end of the year feel more comfortable putting him at the line and teach him what he's got to do, because he's got the size again, six foot three, yeah. two hundred and fifty two pounds. He is the second heaviest guy we're going to talk about here. It's not like he's 230 pounds or something like that, you know? Um, he's just got to learn how to use that size. That's what it boils down to. Um, but, yeah, he's going to be somebody I think he's got a bright future, but he's going to be a little bit of a development. And if it wasn't for that little bit of development, he'd probably be a first-round pick, hands down. Um, next one, Cade Stover, six foot four, 251 pounds from Ohio State. Ooh. Interesting interesting thing. He also plays edge. So he's mm. not just a tight end. He's also played edge. That's very, very interesting overall. Um, he had the third most receiving yards of any tight end in Ohio, hist- Ohio State history this year. So he's coming from a very big school, and he's doing his thing. Um, he's a third round option, probably a uh, very physical player, strong hands, uh, been known to be very good in third down and, and red zone, uh, you know, situations there, that clutch kind of player. The only issue with him besides the blocking, we're going to get into that, but blocking like everybody <laughs> blocking easily is he lacks top end speed. He's not the guy who's going to take the top off the defense. He's not Waller, but what he is, is he's the guy who's going to do the hook route for five, 10 yards at that point and get you your first out of your touchdown. Yeah. I mean, there's a spot for that. In the NFL. Yeah, at 251, definitely. Especially if you yeah. put him in on the, uh, as an edge. Yeah, but I don't know if they would do that in the NFL. I'd, I'd be curious. You know, I was looking up, um, you know, what kind of uh, success he's had there. You know, as as a as an edge player there, 
And for whatever reasons, they're just not giving it on, online there. And I think a lot of it's because of the fact that he's primarily a tight end. And that's where they yeah. kind of putting him. I think most NFL teams, I think, will keep him in that one position. Usually. I think it'd be interesting. Throw him for it. What the hell? Go for it. But <laughs> uh, next up, Jaheen Bell. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Jaheen Bell from uh, six foot one, 244 pounds from Florida State. Uh, started his games over at University of South Carolina before transferring over to FSU. He's going to be probably a fourth round option. Uh, agile, great at the yak, great hands, except for, in, again, struggles at the block. Now, what's kind of odd about him is that he struggles so bad when blocking that he just may never be good at it. And he's mm-hmm. not very physical overall, even as a runner, even as a guy trying to break to get open. He just doesn't have that streak in him. So either someone's going to have to figure out how to get that mean streak out on him, or he's going to be just a bench guy that comes off in like, you know, big formations and red zones and stuff like that, which again, no shame in that. You need that in the league. If you get him as a fourth round pick and that's what he is, yeah. Worst things. Again, also, fourth round pick, we said that. That's the sweet spot. If I had gone back to guys like Travis Kelsey and what they said about them and their draft things, they would have said fourth round option. He's got this issue, this issue. So you never know. You never know. Um, last guys, I'm going to give you guys just the top five here. Ben Sinat, uh, six foot four, 254 pounds. He is the biggest guy we have here on the list, both in height, he ties, and also by weight by just two pounds, but still the biggest guy. Fifth round option. Here's the fun part. Good blocker. Whoa. Dun, 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 dun. Man can block. Reliable hands. Usually, um, he has had some drop issues specifically with comeback routes. That's the specific time that he has issues with that. Uh, and I think that's more of a comfort and a timing thing at that point. Anybody who's played the receiver tight end position like I did knows that when you do a comeback or a hook route, the ball is in the air before you turn around. And you turn around, and there it is. And if you're not quick, it's going to get you. One way or another. Yeah. So some people got to have a little comfort level with that. That's all it is. Um, He can create separation with his routes, meaning he's the guy who can turn real quick and make that quick move to get that kind of separation. But he does lack top end speed. So this is another guy that is going to be a guy that's going to be you know, a short yardage kind of guy. He's not going to be the guy you put in the Hail Mary position and stuff like that. But again, he's a good blocker. So I think he's a guy that out of these top five guys, if I was to go with one of them, I'd want him. I think he's yeah, I would say so. What, we, what we're doing. I really do. Um, as I'm getting food delivered here mid-show. I like this. I get <laughs> food delivery mid-show. Oh, yes. Me too. I wasn't kidding. Uh, I got Valentine marshmallows, it looks like here. Yum, that, was yum, yum, yum. that was yesterday. That was yesterday. It's never too late. Never too late for food to be coming to you mid-show. Uh, those Appreciate interested, it'll, it'll be in my wife's blog, dishingdelish.com, probably tomorrow. <laughs> I think she's putting it up. Shameless plug for her, so she gave me food. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Ben's the guy that, of all the guys, I'd want him because of the fact that he is a good blocker. And I think that's what we need more than anything else. I don't have to teach him top-end speed to be worried about that. I can exhume him at the role he's at. And if we cut Waller and we have, you know, Ben uh, and um, Daniel next year at tight end, they're both not what, you know, Waller is, but together, maybe they can be a good combo at that point there. Because you got to think about that picnic as far as that for next year. Because we might either need to get a tight end in free agency next year or the draft, or 
we can try to get one we develop this year at the draft. And I think that's the way to go. You either get the developmental tight end in the draft, or if we say we have enough options or we don't get one available to us in the draft, we go with a guy like Adam Troutman, like I said, in free agency. That's where I think we need to do it. Um, but yeah, we shall see We shall see what happens. It all depends on what Shane wants to do and what David wants to do, which unfortunately we're not in their heads. Kind of fortunately as well, because I've heard David's kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. There Rumor we go. has it. Rumor has it. Uh, let's Rumor go to some more stuff it. that is not rumors here. We got some coaching changes to go over with you guys as well here. Um, so, first off, Frank Piriano is named Director of Strength and Conditioning, formerly with the Tennessee Titans for five seasons. First three as a strength and conditioning coach, last two as the Director of Sports Performance. I have no clue what the goddamn difference is. Do you? I love when they give I mean, fancy names. I guess sports performance, performance or strength well. and conditioning. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, prior experience of 18 years in collegiate coaching there. Uh, was a graduate assistant at Michigan State in 04. Worked at Notre Dame and University of Florida. Uh, was the head strength and conditioning coach at Marshall in, in 2010. Uh, Temple 11, to 11 and 12. And Boston College 13 to 18. So, yeah, he's, he's made his rounds there at that point there. But... Yet another Titan. We're going to talk about that in a minute here. Mm. Uh, we also got some promotions in the coaching staff here as well. We have promotions. First one, Mike Adams. Mike Adams has been has been named now the assistant secondary coach. Uh, he previously served as the assistant special teams coach last season. Uh, he's now going to be assisting the uh, defensive backs coach slash passion game coordinator, Jerome Henderson, who saw his own uh, you know, promotion as well as Mike Trier as well, the safeties coach. Keep my Mike Adams, also Jersey boy. Also grew up in the area, 16-year-old vet. So he had quite a long career, two-time pro bowler. Uh, remember, we talked about this on the show, too. Washington brought him in and requested him for an interview to be their DB coach this last week, too. So you have to wonder if that's partially why this has happened here. Was there interest enough from the commanders that they said, you know what, hold on, ball, there goes this little, here we go, we've got this little yeah. carrot here for you, dangle this carrot. <laughs> here, here's some money, hey, hey. I mean, but we also don't know right, how well dollar? the interview went. Were, were the commanders interested? Did the interview not go well? I don't know. None of us know. They're not going to tell us. But I just find it weird coincidence that he's going for an interview for a promotion within a division rival, and then all of a sudden, he gets a promotion. I mean, he could have walked in that organization did not like what he heard i'm just saying i just why i always you know my theory on connecting dots sometimes people go a little crazy trying to connect dots that make no sense but this is two dots here that make pretty much a lot of sense yeah timing is too coincident uh also drew wilson who was formerly the assistant strength and conditioning coach from 21 to 23 has been promoted to the new title of assistant director of strength and conditioning again i have no clue what the goddamn difference is <laughs> the Giants are very proud about it, though, and talking about it on their social media. I have no goddamn clue. Uh, it sounds like he'll be doing primarily the same thing. <laughs> sounds like he'll a little more sway, maybe, in how they condition. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, that's it. I don't know what to tell you guys. Um, no more garbage bags. You're getting sauna suits. Yep, exactly. We're just moving on up. Moving yeah. on up. Um, well, let's talk about the elephant in the room here, because there's definitely an elephant here in this room. Where? And. No, this room, not your room. Oh, 
That's why I keep the the gnomes all around me to try to to, to scare off the elephants. Elephants are afraid of gnomes. It's a very very well-known thing. Um, The Giants have now added several, several ex-Titans from Mike Rabel's staff. We got Frank Piriano we talked about today, the director of strength and conditioning. You got Tim Kelly, who was Rabel's offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Now he's our tight ends coach. Shane Bowen, who was our who was his defensive coordinator, now our defensive coordinator. Zach Kerr, who was a defensive assistant, uh, was is a defensive assistant with us. Was an assistant in ba- inside linebackers coach last season with the Titans. All in one off season. That's a lot. It's a lot to yeah. poach from one ex staff, I guess, because they were all fired from the Titans. Not like they were like, you know, in the battle. But yeah, yeah. that's a lot. That's. Even the Giants website got it wrong by how many people they live. I think they forgot Zach. I don't know how they forget Zach, but it's a lot of guys. It's a lot of guys. I mean, so there's a rumor going around, and I hate to give credence to rumors, but I'll say this: it makes some sense if that's the if that is what's going on. The rumor is the Giants looking to get ready and put themselves in a position to look very much a favorable position. For Mike Vrabel to go to next year if Dable doesn't work out. I mean, if you think about it, if you're Mike Vrabel, you're sitting out this season, okay? Next year, the Giants cap situation is better because Daniel Jones is finally going to be gone. To be honest, that frees up $25 million right there almost from this year. You got a team that's been building. It was went to the playoffs just last year. You got a biggest media market in the entire country. And... Now you have your former offensive coordinator, your former defensive coordinator, your former strength and conditioning coach, your former defensive assistant, all and your form, all, all there. And you got to assume it's guys he liked because a lot of these guys moved with him from Houston. Yeah. I mean, it's not the craziest suggestion to make in the world, guys. It's really not. But here's the other part. Do Dable and Vrabel... Sounds we're trying to say it ten times fast. Dable and Vrabel, Dable Vrabel. Do Dable and Vrabel potentially have a good enough relationship that Dable just talked to him and said, Who should I take in your staff? and then trusted his judgment on them. Dable worked, keep in mind, in New England as a defensive assistant, which sounds weird to say, because he's an offensive coach. A defensive assistant in two thousand, two thousand one, and then as a wide receivers coach from oh two to oh six. Now, he went back later on after more ventures, went back to New England. But I'm talking about these years specifically because Mike Vrabel played on the Patriots from 01 to 08. So that'd be six seasons they were on the team together, yet only the first season together were they both on the same side of the ball. So is the potential there that these two have a good enough relationship? Because I'll tell you this, we're talking, you're going back now, guys, 15 and 20 years. Yeah. I don't know how many people you all talked to that you worked with 15, 20 years ago. They're less than a handful. Yeah, exactly. But there's some. Exactly. So is it impossible? No. Is it likely? I don't know. Meh. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to put that that's so that's the seed of like BS rumors because we don't know. So I don't want to make it seem like we're sitting there saying that this is the case or that's the case. We don't know. But the conversation is interesting because... If you're to tell me that Dable falls flat in his face this year, let's say hypothetically, which obviously we're, listen, we're we're on a podcast where we're Giants fans first and foremost. So, yes, we hope that the Giants have all the success in the world, obviously, next year. But let's say hypothetically they don't. Would they really keep Dable in fourth year? And if they didn't, they could do a hell of a lot worse than Mike Rabel, who may be the top yeah. coach guy out there next year. 
depending on who else is available, obviously. They said the speculation is crazy. Talk about next year's offseason already. We know. We just right got over the ends. Yeah. This this is per babble just I just finished a week ago. Don't, Not even don't yeah, don't but don't blame us. Blame the Giants for making these moves because that's <laughs> that's why the whole the whole reason why this is there. Like I said, it's a valid question. And you know, these coaching moves are made usually by a combination of Dable and Shane. So, you know, Dable had a hand in it, but I don't know. Is Shane gonna think like that? Because Shane and Dable are also like that. They're like that. Yeah. But Shane's also a business guy and he understands what's going on. He understands the optics this a season. So I don't know. I don't I don't know if this is if this is he playing chess this far ahead. I don't know. I hope so to a certain degree because I don't want him playing checkers. Yeah, that's about to say. Can't be can't be mad. No, no. All right. So let's pay the bills real quick. Let's go over some of the comments we got here. Uh, I know we got Connor and Devin there as well. Anybody else uh, that's watching right now? I see all of them in there. I can see people who's watching. I see we got some ninja watchers here. Give us a thumbs go up, ninja. hit subscribe, go and go, go ahead and, and and pop in a comment. Let us know your thoughts on the topic here today. But let's go pay the bills real quick, and then let's go ahead and then get into some more information here with the news around the Giants and the NFL overall as a whole here. Enjoying the show. Looking for more goofball action? Consider a membership at buymeacoffee.com slash two giant goofballs. Memberships start at just $5 and give you additional goofball access. One-time support payments also available starting at just $3. Buymeacoffee.com slash two giant goofball. Oh, hello. I wasn't eating a chocolate-covered marshmallow during the break at <laughs> all. Not at all. <laughs> How are they? I would never do that. They are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Takes All right. right <laughs> Let's see. Connor says, "Sorry, I'm late. My brain was switched in." Oh, on. I'm not sure that means your brain was switched on. Isn't it always on? You hope so. I, don't know. I hope so. Uh, Connor says, "Don't know if you guys saw." Jesse Arm says, "Staying with Giants as consultant, I believe." Antonio Pierce tried to get him to go to Vegas with him. Also, Ken Orr Jr. is going to the uh, Redskins as a linebackers coach. Yeah, we'll get into Armstead in a minute. We do have that as one of the topics to talk about. Deb says, I can't believe the 49ers fired DC Stiff Wilkes. We're going to get into that one in a minute as well. But yeah, I'm with yep. them. That, that's batshit crazy. Uh, Connor says, yeah, that was wrong. But I guess they could, couldn't could stop the Chiefs going down the field. Blame has to go on someone. I blame coach. But getting points in the second half, fire yourself. And he says, so does Dable decide to get these guys? Or does GM Shane hire these guys? Always thought coach picked his staff. It's a combination. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a combination in the end because... It depends on the relationship that that's had there between the two. So keep in mind, here's a good one for you. Joe Judge, did he want the clapper? Did he want Jason Garrett? No, he did not. That's been well documented. That was a suggestion by ownership. John Mara wanted the clapper. So oh, again, they should have say, and I think Joe Shane and Brian Diable have a very good working relationship where he probably gave him final say. But Shane's involved, guys. So yeah. Uh, Connor said, I like Vrabel as a coach or or a coordinator. Listen, I like Mike Vrabel overall as a head coach. Don't forget how bad Tennessee was before he got there, guys. Uh, again, I'm not suggesting for him over Dable. I like Dable. I don't blame him a lot for last season. I blame him on the injuries. But I'm willing to go, okay, if this is a thought process, it's not bad. Because if we're wrong and it's not the injuries, he just took a downfall. It's the worst guy to have lined up as a backup than Mike Vrabel. Yeah. It really is. 
Uh, Connor says, should be a head coach's decision. He's the one who has to work with them. I hate to break it to you, Connor. Everybody's got to work with them. The players, the GM, the owners, you know, the parking attendant. I mean, everybody's got to work with these guys. That's part of it. You know, and the head coach should have the final say, in my opinion. But again, that's not always which way it's run. It all depends on the team and how they want to run it there. So and the organization, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the Giants news. We got a little bit of Giants news here for you guys. It's time for the news. As Connor's comment ended up on this whole time. Uh, first off, Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson was quoted talking about free agency, and it's a very interesting and a very telling quote. He said, the Giants are going to look for another corner, and another team is going to look for a corner, which is me. I want to be there, but this is our break period. If I come back, it's all good. If I don't, is it going to hurt? It will, but I know it's a business. So basically what he's saying is he doesn't think the Giants want him. The door is not closed, but it's unlikely. I mean, I don't want to say word like that, but he understands this is business. Like, granted, he he thinks he's sure that he's on the trading block. It doesn't mean like he doesn't. He's not. Well, no, he's not. Sorry, 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 sorry. I take yeah. the back. Should have said not trading block. Like that, you know, he's on the block to go. He's also going to cost a lot too. Compared I, to like, you know, what? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to throw a lot of money on him. I don't think he looked nearly as good last year as he had prior years. No, but no, he, the he big not. part of that I'm looking at is I want to be there, but this is our break period. But it's also like the head coaches and the players get a little little time off after the Super Bowl before they have to go back. I don't think he needs that. I mean, why talk about that when you're talking about free agency? That's common knowledge that you're not working right now. I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you know, if I come back, all good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. The marshmallow agrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Giants blocked the Cowboys interviewing defensive line coach Andre Patterson, which is interesting because if you blocked him, that means that it was a lateral move. I don't know why the hell the Cowboys thought we were going to allow our defensive line coach that we like and respect to go coach with the Cowboys. Yeah, that'd be- That's stupid. That'd be, and I'd be silly. It's yeah. stupid. Um, also in the stupid news category, uh, because this one makes no sense to me whatsoever, <laughs> according to Sean Payton, the Giants reached out to Broncos QB coach and former Giants QB Davis Webb about unretiring after Daniel Jones's injury. First off, wow, that takes some gall. Like you already have, you already have a job. What are you going to do? Quit mid-season being the quarterbacks coach? Like that would have really helped his coaching resume going forward. <laughs> the team just really needed me. Yeah. Not to mention, has Davis Webb ever done anything to make you think he'd be a better option than any, basically anybody else on the street? I don't mean that it's a knock Davis Webb. He's he was a legitimate third string kind of guy. There's plenty of those floating around. Hey, I mean, he was fantastic he, in the preseason last year. Obviously, he knows the playbook, and I guess that's probably why. But still, it's not like it's that's that difficult. Tommy DeVito could easily have done just as well. As Davis Webb, it might have but done he wasn't better. Having the cutlass, yeah. So thank God that didn't happen. But uh, I wonder how much that pissed off Sean Payton because that pissed me off about Sean Payton. Like, what the hell? Are you, who the hell are you going to my freaking quarterback coach and trying to get him? You know, <laughs> I'd be yeah, I'd be I'd be livid. Yes. Um, Raiders head coach Antonio Pierce. We talked about this in the comment section. There attempted to lure special assistant to the GM Jesse Armstead away from the Giants which to me is just absolutely insane as well. I mean, I get, you know, Jesse Armstead and, and Antonio Pierce probably have a 
somewhat of a connection because Armstead has been basically working with the Giants since he retired. So even though they never played together, there's still that camaraderie between the two of them at that point there. In fact, you know what? I'm thinking now, let's see here. He might actually play together in Washington now that I'm thinking about this. Hold on. I got to look this up now. I got to look this up because this is going to bother me now because I forgot Jesse Armstead did play a couple of years in Washington before he retired. I was thinking purely off of his, um, you know, his days with the Giants, but he did play the last couple of years in Washington, which is, of course, where Antonio Pierce began his career. So they got, they got both those connections there. So let's see. Uh, yeah, he started in 2001 to 2004 with Washington. Armstead was playing in Washington in 2002 and 2003. So, yeah, they were teammates for two seasons there. I hadn't put that two two together. We're talking here live. Um, but, yeah, like obviously magic. also had the you know relationship there in New York. Yeah, because, again, 2003 was his last year. 2005 was the was when the uh was when Antonio Pierce went to go play for the Giants. So, yeah, they've been working together for both sides for a while. But yeah, I don't know why he thinks that Jesse Armstead would ever have gone to leave the Giants. That's just to me is a little insane in the main. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was a five-time consecutive pro bowler was a all-pro with the Giants. With five years, he made one first-team All-Pro, two second-team All-Pro. He was that good of a player. 2001, he was just unstoppable. But, yeah, he's not going to leave here, guys. He's not going to leave there and go somewhere else at that point and have to restart over his family, leaving there. Yeah. But, yeah, you'll still see him on the sidelines every so often. I think he's just there for just the fun of it more than anything else. It's a hobby for him, basically. I hate to say it that way. It's kind of sad. disrespectful if he's actually legitimately doing work, but I don't think he is. <laughs> he's been here with multiple GMs. He just chills, goes in the sideline, shakes hands. It's like a politician kissing babies. Kissing babies, yeah. Kissing babies. As long as, so. as, long as I kissing hands and shaking babies. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, you can kiss hands and babies. You can do both. How they do it in Europe. Um, so this one I just bought us a couple hours ago before the show started. I saw this CD lamb was on Michael Parsons podcast and had this to say, he said, you know, who's really a sleeper Wandale Robinson from New York. He's so fast, but he's so nice. His routes are crazy. So good to see Wandale getting some love from a, a rival. rival. Yeah. Again, I've said this forever. I know you've been agreeing with me on this as well. He is the breakout guy next year. Especially if you get oh, a yeah. good quarterback. Especially if you get a good quarterback. You know, he's going to be a guy. I'm telling you, he's a 100-catch guy next year. All right, let's get into yeah. some NFL news. We do have just a little bit of NFL news here to give you guys. This I smidge. Yep, definitely not eating marshmallows again. Still good? Very good. You can't give me food mid-shows. <laughs> I did it. I, I didn't sign you. I'm saying that's the plural version of you. So, <laughs> all right. So as I already talked about go. in the comments section there, Steve Wilkes was fired as defensive quarter just days after the Super Bowl from the 49ers. Absolutely crazy. So not Absolutely crazy. I don't get it. So not his fault. Was it his fault that players didn't know the overtime rules? Was it his fault that offense couldn't get going? Was it his fault that he held the heel, the, the Chiefs to 19, what, 19 points in regulation? I mean, listen, when you go in, you're up by 10. I'm just saying. I'm just saying the other way, too. 
Defense shows the dominant yeah. performance for one half. They also looked terrible for the first two halves of the other playoff games they were in. So, but you can also sit there and say that the 49ers only scored 19 points. I, I know you can say that, but once again, if it's going to sit down on Kyle Shanahan to get fired or Steve Willick, so who do you think Shanahan's going to pick? I know. I'm just saying. Uh, to me, it's it's just batshit so, crazy, batshit crazy. And I'm wondering what's going to happen in the next couple of days news-wise because I think something else is going on behind the scenes. I really do. To me, you don't have a well-respected defensive coordinator like that going after one year because of just that one game. I can't. I can't think that. I don't think something's going behind the scenes. And Yeah, I mean, if you look, the whole playoffs, they were not playoffs. the same team. Playoffs? They were not the same team they were on offense. most of the season. On, offense. on defense, too. But on offense, they couldn't get shit going. But uh, once again, they were trailing. The thing was, the all season long, if they were down by seven points going into the fourth quarter, they lost. They were down going in against Green Bay by 10 or 14 points, and then won. So that was a big thing. But they were down going into that game, into the fourth quarter. When they played against the Lions, my God, it was the 49ers defense didn't block anything in that first half and that offense came around and fixed it up so like we could go like oh was it the offense or was it the defense but yeah i'm just and yeah. you're probably right there's probably going to be some gossip coming out yeah i mean what shanahan said was he said um he was not the right fit for what san francisco wanted to do on defense it was a really tough decision so it makes you think that there was a personality clash in my opinion and I feel like that's what was going on. There was issue with what the team and Shanahan wanted to do, what Wilkes wanted to do as as a defense. You know, I don't know how much Shanahan's involved in defensive stuff there, but when you say it that way, he was not the right fit for what San Francisco wanted to do on defense. He's like, hey, kid, go kick rocks. There was a personality clash. That means yeah. there was a, a a philosophy clash. You know, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, we also talked about the last episode, Monday's episode, uh, about Hassan Reddick uh, asking for a trade from the Philadelphia Eagles. He's now saying he never asked for a trade. He is, though, reportedly eyeing a team de- a deal with the team worth more than $25 million per year. And I have to imagine that's not going to happen to the Eagles. I think that's why people are saying that. It's like, you're not asking to get traded, but you're asking to get paid more than what the Eagles can afford to pay you. Yeah. So you kind of are, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's see. We got a couple more comments here before we head on out here for the night. Deb says, I agree 100% on Wandell Helsey. He's going to have a good season. Uh, Connor says, did you see Eli and Daniel on the Up and Adams show? Still trying to help Daniel, but he's also helping Drake May. Don't read too much into that. If that's what yeah. you're suggesting. If you're suggesting what I think you're suggesting, don't read too much into that. Because Eli, in general, has no problem helping younger quarterbacks. He's done that throughout his career. When he was a player, even, he's done a post-career. He's been that guy. He's always been a guy who believes in giving back to young quarterbacks because he got a lot growing up as far as help-wise. So that's actually one of the best things about him. Part of what I think also makes him a Hall of Famer, it's not just the fact that he's a player, is that if you look at the Peyton and Eli Camp they did for years and the stuff he's done afterwards, when he's done say, off the field. football, you know, off the field, he's been such a good ambassador for this this sport as a whole. So, um, But yeah, do they like Drake? Maybe they might. I don't think we have a shot in hell of getting him. 
Probably. I really don't. I, I think the chances of us trading up are very small. And then you throw in the fact that if we do trade up, it sounds like the Patriots are the only ones who would look at the trade in. And that means you pick three and you get whoever's left over. And that usually does not go well for whoever does that. There's, if there's a reason that this whoever it was was drafted third. Typically. Typically. It can fall other ways. Look at, look at you know, look at the, the draft with Baker and, you know, Josh Rosen. And then later on, it's Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, the best two quarterbacks out of that out of that draft. So you never know. You don't. Um, but it's not typically looked at as a very good thing to do. All right, guys. We're going to head on out here for the evening. Of course, uh, we'll see you guys back Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday. Yep, and Monday, we're going to go ahead and do our offensive line show. Now, keep in mind, obviously, if anything big hits the news here, we will go and swing into that instead there. But typically, this time of year, you don't get a lot of big, 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 big news. You get some rumors, but nothing big. Um, obviously, in a couple weeks, we'll have the NFL um, rookie combine. We'll have the start of free agency after that. That's when things get a little more juicy and a little more interesting here. But right now... Like I said, I think that the next couple weeks we'll be going through and breaking out the rest of the state of the team, start breaking into some draft coverage, doing that kind of stuff here for you guys. So buckle up, guys. It's going to be a fun ride here. Yep. Because the oh, yeah. Giants have a lot of moves to make this offseason here. We have one of the most interesting picks in the draft, I think. So, yeah, there's a lot going to happen here. So, as always, we are live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, uh, what's Twitch? Why am I... Twitch. Twitch. I'm like, yeah. And Don't of forget course, that Instagram. And Instagram your... and Rob's favorite. Yes, my, my LinkedIn. LinkedIn profile. And as always, we're available the next day, usually popping down at five o'clock in the morning there on all the audio podcast platforms Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, all the fun ones. Yay. All right, guys. We will see you guys again Monday. Have a happy, safe weekend there. Uh, hope you guys are doing something fun. I think it's President's Day weekend. This this President's Day weekend. Some restaurants are still doing Valentine's Day weekend. So if you're doing that, make sure you get flowers for the missus or the mister or whatever it is you're doing out there. And then uh, some chocolates. And if not, uh, enjoy the four presidents. Speaking of which, oh, my God, the place you went out to eat last night. Oh, my gosh. I'm just going to show you this. This was my meal that I had. Oh, my gosh. Is it musical? Uh, That's pork. Pork bourguignon. Okay. So, oh, my God, this thing was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And my wife's dish. Oh, my gosh. This place was amazing. Woo. Woo. Connor says, I need a goofball weekend show. Listen, we might have to start doing someone that comes time to draft coverage, guys, because we're going to be going through a lot of the of, of the players here and giving individual episodes on guys we think are in play at six and you know before that. And then we're going to give you guys also, of course, the rundown on all the different uh, players also on the uh, – you know, top 10s in such different positions or top 20s like we did last year as well for you guys there because I thought that was a lot of fun. I got to say, that's the first time I've gone that in-depth on the draft last year. And we watched the draft and say, like, okay, I know that guy. I know that guy. I have an opinion yeah. of this guy. So it, it was nice. Uh, we might even do something, might even do something, Ooh. where maybe the people that are on the buymeacoffee.com slash two giant goofballs get access to our draft guide as we write that out as well, too. So, you know, if you haven't signed up already, of course, sign up there at buymeacoffee.com slash two giant goofballs because, yeah, I got to say, not to pat ourselves in the back here, but I'm going to do it anyway. A lot of what we said in the draft happened, guys. 
a lot of what we said. We were very clear on it was stupid to get Bijan Robinson when you already had plenty of running backs and their offense would be bad because of that. That's what C. happened. Stroud, number one. C.J. Stroud, yep. And we said number one overall, C.J. Stroud should have been. Zay Flowers. Like, <laughs> looks like we were right. Looks like we were right. Uh, yeah, Zay Flowers we were very high on. We were very, very high on Devin Witherspoon, who was oh, you know, yeah. a, a pro bowler and everything. We said he could be the, the best defensive player in this draft. That's how high we were on him. So, yeah, oh, we, no, no, we weren't 100%. I'm not going to say that. But I, gotta say, I listed a lot of the guys that do draft coverage. We were actually, I think, a little higher than a lot of the guys out there. I, w- I was kind of impressed with us here. Again, I have a very high opinion of us, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little uh, biased, but. <laughs> maybe a little biased here, but we I think we did a lot better than some of the guys out there that have been doing it for years and years. So, uh, again, we'll have that coming out there for you guys as well as we get everything rolling here. So, all righty, guys, we're going to head on out. We'll see you guys on Monday, 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 Monday. Monday, Monday. And as always, Giant fans, go G-Man. Go G-Man. G-Man. Thanks for listening to Two Giant Goofballs, a New York Giants podcast. We appreciate your support. If you made it this long, you must have enjoyed it. So I am sure you have followed us on all the social media platforms. Of course, you have subscribed to the show on your favorite app as well and given us a top rating. Right? Right? Right?